Good morning and thank you for joining us again this morning. We've got a windy day outside and even though I have this most beautiful tree outside in the garden, I have to sit in my office this morning. So bear with me and the background. But I hope that what we share this morning and, and what we talk about this morning will really inspire you for your week to come. We looked at the theme New Start last month and asked that in the midst of this worldwide pandemic, how do we make a new start? So once we've decided not to let outside circumstances totally derail us and to make a new start, the question this morning is, what inspires us to go on? So, as you guessed, this month the theme is Inspired. Our newsletter for February, I'm in our newsletter, I mentioned what inspires me personally. But I also made the following statement, and I'm going to read that to you. The Bible is not just inspired in parts. It is a fully God-breathed. Book. Not one part of it is without meaning and value. The very passage we decide to be irrelevant could be hiding a special truth for our blind eyes. So having this in mind this morning, let us look at the man Job mentioned in the Bible. And yes, I know some of you, me included, avoided reading this book for a long time. I did. It just looks so unfair. When I realized that this is what I must speak about today, I asked Holy Spirit to reveal to me what is God's message to us today. And I believe here are some things that we can learn from Job's story and that could help us in our journey and in our suffering that we experience here on earth. If we read the first seven verses of chapter one, we will see that Job was a very wealthy man. He had many servants, he had a very big family, a lot of cattle, livelihoods, and he had seven sons and three daughters. He faithfully served God, upholding the laws. Then in verse eight, God proudly asked Satan if he saw Job. So let's read from Job 1, verse 8 to 11. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth. The man is blameless as well as upright. He fears God and keeps away from evil. But in response, Satan asked the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you surrounded him with a fence on all sides, around his house and around all that he owns? You have blessed everything he puts his hand on, and you have increased his livestock in the land. However, stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will curse you to your face. If I can put this in my own words, Satan accused Job 
of serving God only because of what God did for him. All the things that God blessed him with and the fact that God protected him in his family. In other words, he is saying that Job is seeking God's hand and served God for what he could get. A sort of give and take scenario that he's trying to picture here. For me, this suggests that Satan did not understand the level of relationship that Adam had with God or the relationship that God's children, you and I, can enjoy with him today through the price that Jesus paid for us, the cross and his death. So how do you explain something to someone who has no understanding of it? And in the same breath, let us ask ourselves, why are you and I serving God? Do we understand that the relationship with God goes beyond what he does for us? In verse 12, God agreed to let Satan take away Job's wealth, his children, and finally his health to see whether Job would stay faithful to God. So what did Job do? Let's read again. Job 1, verse 20 to 22. Then Job stood up, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, bowed very low, and exclaimed, I left my mother's womb naked, and I will return to God naked. The Lord has given, and the Lord has taken. May the name of the Lord be blessed. Wow. Job neither sinned nor charged God with wrongdoing in all of this. He grieved like a normal person. But then he acknowledged that it all came from God and worshipped God. He did not blame God, even when his wife told him to curse God and rather die. He kept his integrity. We can see that in chapter 2 verse 10 where Job says to his wife, Here it is. Chapter 2, verse 10, Job says, You're talking like foolish women do. Are we to accept what is good from God, but not tragedy? Throughout all of this, Job did not sin by what he said. What integrity is this? So do we realize that what we have is a gift from God? So if I can put it plainly and be very straightforward, God doesn't know us anything. The gift of salvation is already over and above. It is only because of his compassion for us that we have all that we need or that we have whatever we have. The things he's giving to us is because of grace. There is one thing, however, that Job missed. And that was that it was Satan who accused, stole, 
destroyed and kill what he had. But we'll come back to that later. So when Job's three friends heard of his suffering, they came to visit and they sat with Job in silence for a week. Amazing way to comfort someone, isn't that? I can say that from experience of years ago. Friends just being there, although they do not fully understand or did not fully understand, or they didn't know how to support me, they were just there, made such a big difference in my life. So that's something that we can remember. And keep in mind when you see a brother or sister struggling, just be there for them. Don't have to have all the answers. So in our story by now, Job really wished that he was dead. And then the big mistake. His friends trying to explain to him what the problem was, thinking that they had the answers. They insisted that God must be punishing Job for some sin that he had. They judged according to their experience, their tradition, and their opinions. They totally misunderstood what was going on. So in the following chapters, Job and his friends argued, trying to figure out why he had to suffer like this. In his pain, Job wanted to give up, be released from his circumstances and die. He was exhausted and bitter, but no closer to a satisfying answer. Then in chapter 32 to 36, a young man comes and he rebukes them all with so much wisdom. He says, let's read from Job chapter 33, verse 12 to 18. And he says, you aren't right about this. My response is that God is greater than human beings. Why are you arguing with him? He doesn't have to explain what he does to you. God speaks time and time again, but nobody notices. In a dream or night vision, when a deep sleep falls on mankind while they sleep on their beds, that's when he opens the ear of mankind, authenticating his messages to them turning a person from his actions, keeping him from pride, sparing his soul from the pit and his life from violent death. Very wise words. How many times do we argue or talk about things in our lives, trying to figure it out instead of praying to God and just trusting him? It is okay to express our anguish and disappointment and hurt and, and whatever feelings we have, our emotions to God. Of course, as long as we remember to give him a time to respond. You see, the response is not always what we want or when we want it. But God is the only one who really knows what's happening and that can really give us 
the right answer. And then after all of this, chapter 38, verse 1, starts with, The Lord responded to Job from the whirlwind and said, God did want to speak to him. In the following chapters, God gives Job his perspective of whatever is happening. And then Job replies, only in chapter 42, and let's read that again. Chapter 42, verse 1 to 5. Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and nothing that you plan is impossible. You asked, who is this darkened counsel without knowledge? Well, now I have talked about what I don't understand. Awesome things beyond me that I don't know. Listen now, I will speak for myself. I'll interrogate you and then inform me. I have heard you with my ears, and now I have seen you with my eyes. As a result, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Until this time, Job's knowledge of God was based on what he heard from other people. And, and what he's referring to there of the darkened councils is, is his friends' opinions and what they said that, that had an influence on him. But now he says, he's ashamed of his former pride and recognizes that God does care. Real humility is the first thing that happens to us when we come to know God as he is when he reveals himself to us and reveals his, his heart of love to us. As we get greater understanding of the power of God, it also puts life into perspective for us. So the change that came was that Job really discovered who God was or is. It's not hearsay anymore. It's not rituals anymore. It be, God became real to him. He says here, and now I've seen you with my eyes. So it's that revelation of God that changed everything for him. You see, God never promised us an easy life. We are still part of this broken world. But God does promise to be with us, always. He does care. Satan attacked Job for a spiritual purpose. He wanted Job to turn his back on God. He wanted to break that relationship that they had. He wanted Job to be angry at God and walk away from God and prove that Job was just serving God because of what he could get from God. 1 Peter 5 tells us that the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan still works the same way with us today. 
Suffering causes people to forsake God. So instead of running to God, people run away from God. We're all guilty of that from time to time. In John 8.44, it says that Satan is the father of lies. So when we are hurting, he keeps on whispering to us lies that will get us to a place where we doubt God and his love for us. If God really loved you, you would not be suffering like this. Does that sound familiar to you? You see, he wants to destroy our faith and ruin our relationship that we have with God. He wants to wreck our relationships with friends and family. And if we fall into this trap, we begin to feel abandoned by God. We get so frustrated and we doubt God's love for us. We drift away from God. And our emotions start to overwhelm us. In other words, we don't see clearly anymore. So the process of drifting away from God starts so gradually. It, it happens so gradually. It's not an instant thing and all of a sudden you realize, but I'm not close to God anymore. It happens bit by bit. Reminds me of a picture that I have of a... Of a um, frog lying in, in, in warm water and as the water gets warmer and warmer he doesn't realize until he's almost fried. I think it's like that with us as well. It, it happens little by little and we don't even notice it. You see we, we, we quit reading our Bible on a regular basis and even quit praying on a daily basis. Little by little, we fall away from church attendance or fellowship with our brothers and sisters or Christian friends. Our thought life and language begins to change. God has less and less of a place in our lives so that eventually we just go after enjoyment and fun and, and pleasure and comfort and eventually living as if we were never if we never became Christians. But there is this positive side. God set a limit on what Satan could do to Job. Suffering tests and deepens our faith in God. Of course, if we run to him. It can make us stronger. It can help us to have faith not in our faith, but faith in God. Not for what he does, but for who he is. Suffering is not always our fault. Sometimes it's circumstances, other people's wrong choices, and sometimes, I dare to say, it could be a test. Just to strengthen our faith and our trust in God. Suffering builds our character. You, you remember the scripture that says, it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me? That thing becomes real. We start dying in ourselves. And God starts living inside of us and producing fruit in our lives that draw other people to him. 
Suffering teaches us to trust in God for who he is, not for what he does. So if you're going through a very difficult time at the moment, and you do not understand what is going on right now, choose to say, God, I don't know. I don't understand, but I choose to trust you. If we had all the answers on earth, we won't need trust or faith in God, or God for that matter. And isn't that the sin that Adam had? Isn't that how sin came into the world? Adam saying, I'm okay, I'll do it on my own. I don't need God anymore. So my encouragement for today is, let us, let suffering draw us closer to God. Don't run away from God. We all go through things from time to time. And, and I'm not saying here this morning that, that what you're going through is not really, really difficult. But what I do know is God loves you. He's faithful. His plan for you is still in place. That plan that he had when you were born. When he ordered you to earth, that plan is still in place. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Run to God. Ask him and he will answer you. He will strengthen you. Your faith will grow. Your character will grow. And God will be honored through that. So yes, Job, the story that I ran away from for so long. And yet, this story of Job inspired me, knowing that God is still in control. Satan still had to get permission. And God used it to bless Job over and above of what he had. And I'm not just talking about cattle or children. In his heart, he knew his father. God bless you. May you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Till we talk again.